0: Hello, this is the TechMap podcast, which is all about the intersection of marketing and digital technology. In today's show, I'm talking to Martin Thomas, who recently published a book called The Financial Times Guide to Social Media Strategy. And unsurprisingly, we're looking under the hood at social media strategy, not just getting out there and communicating on Facebook and Twitter, but actually looking for real business problems and how you can solve those using social media strategy and then what that looks like in terms of the actual communication or whatever you're using those social tools for. Martin is a super experienced guy, knows his subject inside and out so I hope that you get some real value out of this conversation. As usual please leave us a review, let us know what you think and uh, in the meantime I hope you enjoy the show. Martin, hello. Welcome to the Tech Map Podcast. How are you today?
1: I am very good, thanks.
0: I was um, really keen to bring you onto the show because you've obviously recently published a book all about social media strategy for the Financial Times. And it's one of those topic areas that I think is is has been missed over the years with the mad rush to get involved in social media. But now we're kind of 10 plus years into having these social media tools, I think it's about time that as marketeers, we got our act together and actually started to have some strategy behind what we're doing on social. So that's what I was really keen to talk to you about today. But before we kind of get into that, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a bit about who you are and, and how you've got to where you are?
1: Okay, so my name is Martin Thomas. Um, I'm a marketing consultant. Uh, My background is fairly eclectic. So I spent the first uh, 13 years of my career in the PR industry. Um, I ran in one of the biggest agencies in town, moving to advertising, media, sponsorship, digital, strategy, you you name it. Um, Essentially, around about 11, 12 years ago, um, I started looking into this whole topic of how organizations were responding to digital. So my first book, which I co wrote, with a guy called David Brain, was called Crowdsurfing, where we looked at the impact of uh, consumer empowerment organisations. And in that book, uh, we devoted one chapter to this emerging technology called social media. Um, We said, for example, there's this interesting technology called Twitter, which we think could potentially take on. That led to various conversations about how organisations are dealing with the challenges, not just of digital technology, but really the behaviours that they're unleashing. Um what became very apparent that the organisations that were thriving in this space were characterised by a certain mindset, which I defined as being loose. So my second book, predictably, was called Loose, in which I looked at how do you build loose organisational models? If you buy the logic, that we've all got to be agile and responsive, not least because that is what social media technologies are driving. So how do you loosen up an organisation? Um And then I started doing a lot of training. So I've been a um, course leader, institute director. So essentially the last five years I've been teaching core social media and digital skills to senior directors. Um, And the book I've just written, The Financial Times Guide to Social Media Strategy, essentially is a digest of the outputs from those workshops. And really it's taking, it's sort of top slicing the key elements of social media focusing on those bits of the subject area that I think are most relevant to businesses, but particularly, as you say, trying to impose more of a strategic rigor. Um, My frustration generally with social is that um, most organizations kind of meandered. They wandered into social. They kind of started Mm -hmm. doing it because they felt they had to. It was very tokenistic. um, Why are you on Facebook while everybody else is? And this has led to, um, I think, some very sloppy behaviors in a sense. So we feel we've become very familiar with it. You know, this, this week Facebook celebrated its fifteenth anniversary.
0: Which is incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah. I think it, it's amazing that it's been around for 15 years. And yes, it's had some significant challenges over the last 12, 24 months, but you know, it's still going strong.
1: Exactly. But I think there's just been lack of, you know, a lack of strategic rigor applied to social, you know, as I say. And I think what this means actually is that, you know, I do a lot of consulting work and auditing work, and most organizations are struggling to derive value from their presence in social media. Um, they have redundant accounts. They have accounts not really doing anything. They're wasting time. They're wasting money. Um, and actually, most importantly, they're exposing themselves to unnecessary risks.
0: Mm. So my
1: sense was that they need to apply, apply strategic rigor to this whole discipline. to Ask themselves some quite simple but fundamental questions about why we're doing this. You know, what does success look like? Could we, could we achieve better success spending our money in a different way? Now, these aren't radical questions. and In fact, it's almost, you know, my message to marketeers really is about, you know, rediscover the rigour approach you take elsewhere. Mm. You know, you wouldn't invest in an advertising campaign without asking some fundamental questions. But people, think, people seem quite happy to throw money at social media um, in this naive hope that if you kind of throw enough mud somewhere, some of it will stick.
0: Well, it's interesting. I, th- I think over the years, there's been a lot of debate about you know, return on investment from social media. And you have all these gurus saying, oh, there's no investment in social media. It's all free. And then you have people saying, what's the ROI of your mum?" And all these questions were banded around for years, weren't they? And it, it, no one really thought to delve into it too much because there are cases of, of organizations making a huge success out of social and making it pay. But I think on the whole, as you've mentioned there, Probably the average organization, as you said there, has a Facebook page, a Twitter handle that are kind of dwindling on the vine a little bit. And largely that's a result as to not understanding um, or not setting a strategy and then not understanding what those platforms are actually good to be used for. Exactly.
1: And I think, you know, there's just so much naivety. You know, one of my, you know, one of my sort of uh, lines, for example, is, you know, Twitter is not going to make your brand famous. Twitter is not a fame making channel. Um, but still you have brands, you know, who list your breaches agencies saying, you know, we want to issue tweets because we want to build awareness. That's just not going to happen. You know, unless you yeah. are a celebrity or a politician or a controversialist, Twitter doesn't work in that way. What Twitter is is an absolutely brilliant networking channel. It gives you the ability to connect with all sorts of interesting people, have conversations and build relationships. Um, the other day I had a Twitter-based conversation with the head of World Rugby about the Barbarians rugby team. Um, can okay. you, you know? Can you imagine you know in a previous life, previous life how the heck would I have been able to have that sort of conversation? That is what Twitter does. You know, but it's understanding the power of the mediums and how they work in a particular way, rather than naively just assuming that it's all about it's all about the fame game.
0: So, so let's go back to the kind of the one hundred and one, the basics, really. So, you know, what does a good strategy? uh look like or a good st- social media strategy look like where do you start with well
1: that? the first priority really and again it's very simple but how you aligning the social media strategy with the organizational priorities and this just does not happen in my experience you know typically in an audit i'll go and talk to the um senior management team and i'll go and talk to the uh people responsible for delivering social media and they just as in different worlds, you know, and if you ask, you know, if you ask the social, senior management, well, what's the social team, they don't really know. You ask the social team, what, what, are, what are the key priorities of the organisation that they don't know? Um, that, you know, and not surprisingly, so when they rock up to the senior managers and say, here you go, we've, you know, we, we've generated X number of likes um, this month and our reach scores are X and we've got 52 retweets, senior managers go, and... So what? <laughs> and, and, and what's the value of that? Exactly. So it's <laughs> you know. So for me, the simple price. First of all, align against the organizational priorities. You know, otherwise, why are you doing it? Yeah. The second thing is understand your stakeholder needs. And I think, again, the key thing you can look at is ultimately for most, for most organizations, satisfying the needs of their multiple stakeholders is a key priority. And again, it's where social fits in. So the, so the next thing you should be doing is working out, well, how are our stakeholders currently engaging with us? What you find with a lot of organizations now is increasingly, particularly if they're consumer facing, um, their customers, many of their customers expect to be able to interact with the organization through social channels. So if it, at the very least, you need to recognise that there is, a need, there is a need to satisfy a um, particular set of, kind of stakeholder needs. So it's setting things up in that particular way where you're just aligning what you're doing in social, and the money you're spending against the, the organisational priorities and, this, and the stakeholder needs. If you do that, you then start you know, on, on the right direction. The next, the next part of that is then say, setting key performance indicators, metrics that actually matter. That you can okay, measure so, against and you know, so, measure, measure performance against rather than random, you know, random metrics that mean nothing to, 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 to people sit, sit, sitting sitting around the boardroom table. So,
0: so that's interesting because KPIs obviously come up all the time. You know, In my line of work, when I'm talking to clients, they want to understand how we're going to measure whether this is adding any value to us. So what are those KPIs that uh, you see people most usually applying to social and what are those kpis that actually mean anything of value that you can apply to yeah
1: social? the model i use essentially builds from the very simple through to the more sophisticated so you know at a simple level you know in, in it you know you may be looking at you know some simple reach metrics so me actually you know my advice to, to, to most people i work with actually is, is to look at Look at some of your engagement figures, particularly high-level engagement. This is why, for example, I think things like retweets are really important metrics to look at because these tell me that you're generating content that is good enough to share, that you are mobilizing Mm -hmm. kind of conversations. You know, then you can start elevating it through to more sophisticated measures. You know, looking at, say, for example, to what extent is your social media activity driving traffic to your website and driving behaviors in that way? And if you're looking, you know, and if you're sophisticated e-commerce business, they have the ability through tagging to link an individual tweet or post through to an actual sale. So for me, there's there's, there's a range of sophisticated measures you can do. Um, social media is as measurable as anything, if not more so, given mm. the will and the inclination Um but you've got to get away from this sort of very oversimplistic view of it as just simply generating noise or generating awareness. It's much more nuanced than that in terms, of terms, of terms of how it works and the value you can, do, value you can derive from it.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the ways that we work with one of our clients here is that we look at, and we, we had um, the last show I recorded was with a company called Aribi actually, which is a web analytics tool. But we use that tool to actually see who's coming off. Our social accounts. What are they doing on the website, and where are they converting? And that gives us a real good uh, sense as to which of those social channels are actually creating conversions. And the conversion generally is uh, to contact the business or to download some kind of uh, ebook, white paper type um, uh, material. So that's how granular we're getting with it, and it's really useful to see it in that way. Because, but for example. Previously, we were seeing a huge amount of traffic coming from Pinterest, which is really useful, until we saw actually that nobody from Pinterest was converting. They were just coming for an image and then disappearing. Whereas those that were coming through from Instagram, for example, were actually taking an action and getting in touch with the business. So we know now that that channel is more effective for engaging our customer than Pinterest. And
1: the frustration is, for me, is that what you're describing is still pretty rare in the industry. You know, the data is available, uh, most of it for free. you just gotta have the willingness and the expertise to actually start planning through and, and 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 learning from it. You know, there are simple things. There are all sorts of tools that I was looking at a tool recently where, for example, you can look at, you know, look at your follower base and work out when are they active on something like Twitter, which gives you the ability to say, well, why don't I schedule my tweets from my audience and like it to be active? You know, simple stuff, but these questions aren't typically asked. I think the other thing as well is focus on, you know, there's an interesting um, McKinsey came out with the figure some years back they said look 70% of the value from social isn't anything to do with marketing um, it's through other areas and so we yes yes there is a marketing benefit that can derive from it but in areas particularly areas like research and customer service there are massive scale economies that can be derived from social so once you start have, opening the question of how do we de- determine the value of social media its ability to drive cost out of organizations is quite compelling. Unilever recently did a study looking, I think it was the baking category, where they, they used social listening instead of traditional research. Um, and their conclusion was we're getting results as, a, as good, if not better, for half the price of traditional research.
0: That's really interesting. I guess because you get yeah that you get the scale very quickly there yeah. and very yeah. affordably there. Yeah. And I
1: also, remember, I heard a quote from British Gas saying that every time British Gas encourage a customer to instead of calling call, calling the uh, call centre, going onto YouTube to find a solution to a problem, because ninety percent of the calls they get are fairly simplistic. How do I, how do I read my meter? How do I understand my bill? Every every single time they can get to me not to call the call centre but go to YouTube, they save eighty pounds. Okay. from call centre costs. Imagine the business of the size of British Gas and the number of calls they get. Imagine how quickly those £80 pounds ratchet up to a massive potential cost savings. So social customer service, for me, is, is you know, really, again, a really interesting space where you can, you know, for, for significant customer-facing organisations, where there are massive scale economies, you know, and say social listing on the market research side. Organisations are spending hundreds of thousands of pounds a year on pretty arid stale traditional research you know whereas you know the adage with social is it's real time real people real situations real conversations you know so i think it's looking at you know so there's a broader range of areas above and beyond the simple pure marketing roi where we need to think about the value that social can can deliver
0: yeah absolutely and and i guess that goes back to that that strategy in the first place is you know what do you need this to deliver for your business it might not be lead generation or marcoms or awareness it might be as you say you know saving costs or improving customer uh, experiences or enhancing your r&d capabilities for example it's really interesting that the different applications of social media yeah, uh, exactly. to business yeah exactly
1: and, and and these are just the conversations to be had and i think part of the problem is and, and again part of my frustration is there is a the new economy can be very dismissive of of, of strategy and planning Um, there's a culture coming out, particularly coming out of Silicon Valley, and it's kinda it is the kind of the fail-fast culture, which tends to be corrupted with the view actually that why bother with planning? You know, you just keep throwing enough stuff out there and eventually you find what whatever works and you do kind of more of it. Um and again my plea to people is look, you know, Mm. this is this is this is inculcating a bad behavior. And it's interesting if you talk to a lot of senior marketers, they have some frustration with there's a generation of junior marketeers coming into the business who've been brought up with digital who can be quite dismissive of traditional planning and strategy skills the need to occasionally take time out to think to plan to decide to ask some basic fundamental questions about why are we doing this etc um and we've almost got to relearn those old, those, those old sort of um, planning and strategy skills. And so to us, you know, just be, just because we're working in a real-time economy and just because we're an always-on economy doesn't mean uh, that we can ignore planning. Planning can still add massive value to us and save us wasting a lot of time and
0: effort. That, that makes me think about... I had a conversation with a guy called Bill Morrow recently who runs a company called Angels Den. And we're talking about the different ways in which... Um, capital money works in the US versus over here in Europe. And in the US, there's a lot more capital flowing into startups. And the idea is I'll throw a lot more money into startups because they want to see them grow and fail quickly or grow and turn into one of the unicorns. And they're happy to see nine fail if one goes on to be a unicorn. And perhaps that is what's driving this culture of, you know, let's be quick, let's be agile, let's be fast here. And let's not waste time on strategy. Let's see what works. If it fails, that's fine. We'll move on to something else. Whereas over here in Europe, we take a bit more of a risk-averse approach and we take our time perhaps a bit more to look at how we're investing our capital. So perhaps that's flowing through to what we're doing in terms of yeah, our Yeah, potentially. Uh, I, just, I, just, I
1: just think Silicon Valley is kind of, you know, it, it can be quite delusional. I remember I did a talk two years ago at the Google headquarters in Dublin um, for the Irish marketeers. I had about 400, 500 marketeers in the room. And I, and I, I thought, i was just going to be contrarians. I basically kind of did a whole talk about how Google Google talks rubbish. You know, I said, <laughs> yeah, how many people in this room have, have a license to fail fast? You know? You know, and, and of course nobody. And he said, this is just nonsense. If you look at some of the yeah. sound bites coming out of Silicon Valley, it's complete nonsense. You know, they justify, you know, they're successful businesses, but they're not successful because they do certain things. They, they, they tend to sort of trot out these, I mean, and it is almost like sort of marketing by, marketing by by sort of tweet. You get these kind of pithy little quotes that sound great on a tweet, but when you actually interrogate them and push them on it, you say, it doesn't stack up. You know, for me, <laughs> you know, sort of, the, the, you know, the fail fast culture is damaging. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean you mm-hmm. don't experiment, it doesn't mean you don't take risks, it doesn't mean all of this, but it just, I say, it just encourages this this is anti-planning anti-strategy ethos um mm. which i just think we need to fight and so you know even even, even even a tweet needs to be thought through and planned you know i say because it just you know, it doesn't work in that particular way and i think and again this is this is the kind of thing the root cause in a sense of why i felt the need to write the book is this this kind of sense of frustration to say look we're being very sloppy with we're buying we've all now bought you know 15 years later we're all we're all buying into the all pervasive power of social media for good and ill and clearly at the moment um facebook in particular is facing some massive reputational challenges we've recognized we is. recognize it's important it's embedded into everybody's behavior you know one of the, one of my lines to come as this you know, every employee with a smartphone is a potential risk now because they're all on social it's just part and parcel of how we live but we've not applied any real rigorous thinking um to how we're using it and why we're using it and and, and in, in part this is reason why when social media um people do get into the boardroom they don't tend to get listened to because the boardroom are just unimpressed with the kind of sloppiness and just generally the lack of like of rigorous thinking that they're applying to what they're trying to do
0: mm. but clearly there are you know lots of successful case studies use cases of organizations that have really adopted a social first approach or a social media strategy approach that that are seeing real benefits here so you're obviously in your book you've written um about using social media or being more strategic so who have you uh, you've obviously mentioned british gas but are there other examples of organizations that you've seen that have you know really understood this and are doing it really well yeah i think they are good i think in
1: the customer service space o2 consistently are uh, uh, deemed to be very good. Um, they've managed to, you know, particularly they had, you know, they had a sort of a, another outage recently, but their ability to handle quite tricky situations, uh, tricky conversations through well trained people is very good. Um, actually, interesting, um, again on customer service space, um, raw mail are very good, actually. If you've ever got a problem with your letter or parcel delivery, um, I would recommend you tweet it because they are excellent. And I think um, an interesting insight from them, While I was talking to their the lady responsible for their social customer service platform. And she said, most people working here are in their fifties and sixties because um, we can train them to understand technology in a couple of days, but to understand customers takes decades. And I think it's a really interesting insight again about how companies approach this. There's still a tendency to throw the most junior member of the team on something like customers, social customer service because they get technology. But what they don't get um, is the ability to judge situations and, and I do believe actually that the one characteristic or quality that defines sex, success and failure in social is the ability to exercise judgment because so much of what we're dealing with requires quite sophisticated, subtle judgment skills. You know, do I respond to this post? Do I not? You know? Um, how do I take the heat? It's skin? not
0: it's not always black and white, is it? It's sometimes you get a post or a comment.
1: Rarely black and white. Rarely yeah. black and white. And the, the number the number of times you've seen an instant explode and it starts with a fairly you know, a simple comment which taken out of context somehow it's upset people I, I quote what in the book about you know, there was a classic one with you know uh, London transport where somebody tweeted the complaint and I assumed the young person at the other end came out with a somewhat flip comment and it just exploded um, because the person failed to judge the situation so you know, so this ability of exercise judgment is kind of key in these sort of situations. You know, so, you know, so companies are starting to kind of get starting to kind of get better and clear. There are there are there are some many good examples of relatively small, you know, up businesses that have actually built their whole brand through social and how social influence kind of comes through. But we still face challenges. You know, I did the study. Only eight of the FTSE, FTSE chief execs um, are on Twitter. Um, you know, so, you know, 92 of them have turned around and said, you know what, I'm not exposing myself to this level of exposure. It's not worth it. It doesn't stack up. Uh, although, interestingly, there was a piece of research came out this week from Brunswick um, where they have um, highlighted actually now that for investors, social media has become an absolutely critical way in which they judge the um, health of organisations and, in particular, the social media activity of the senior leadership teams. We're starting to see things shifting, but it's starting from a very kind of slow base, if you like, very, very low base.
0: Well, if if it's the investors that are driving that change, it'll happen quickly because obviously that's the lifeblood yeah. of an organization.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And what's in, and what's interesting in America, because I do in America, it's actually much greater. You know, there were far more senior leaders in the States who have an active social media presence. You know, and in part of it is interesting, I think people's talking about sort of different cultural changes. I think um somebody was telling me there is a, there is definitely a sort of sense in the States that the, the chief exec's almost like chief salesperson for the organization. So they have much more of a sense of, you know, chief executive as uh, taking a kind of, you know, uh, very public, a very well, it looks like like Tim Cook at Apple, who has been, you know, he's a very interesting uh, use of social media as a leadership tool. and um, like to say someone like Elon Musk who uses it, but Elon does tend to get into trouble. <laughs> doesn't he just, um, Tim, yeah. You know, doesn't he just $40 million fines later for, for breach of regulations? Something like Tim Cook has been very smart at, you know, putting a message across, but also talking about his wider interests. You know, he's a, you know, he's a very strong advocate for gay rights. He's, a, he's, 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 he's willing to take a stand on particular issues um, and he's a good example, I think, of a chief executive who has is using it as a means to communicate with a wider audience.
0: I think you see that more and more, don't you? And you know, not just in business, I suppose, but if we look at the exploits of President Trump on Twitter, for example, it's very much a, an opportunity for him to get direct to his audience, as it were, without going through layers of uh, filtration yeah. and strategic management. I suppose of what he's saying. But I wonder if this kind of ties in with that whole a uh, topic of personal branding when it comes down to you know the senior leadership team being seen on social media as a uh, as a way for investors to measure their appetite for investing in a company it's that it's that personal brand of the ceo and the cfo etc that uh, it is evident
1: yeah and it is Thinking of it as a team effort, you know, my, my contention actually is that the reputation of organisations is now defined by the aggregated social media profiles of the senior team, not the corporate channels. Because actually, whether you're an investor or a potential employer or a potential partner, you are checking out the senior team. It's what the Americans call bent strength, the ability to kind of showcase a breadth of talent and capability across the organisation. Again, what's interesting, I run sessions for boards looking at this very issue and saying, look, you are a team of individuals. You need to have individual personalities and profiles. We also need to work together as a team. That doesn't mean you all have to be identical, because the the CTO will have a different perspective on life than the marketing person. But equally, you need to think of yourselves as a team and how do we come across as a team is there a consistency and a coherence to what we're saying, whilst allowing the individual personalities to flourish? And it's this type of thinking that I think we're going to start seeing organisations recognise. You know, they've, the corporate com professionals have been agonising for far too long about the official corporate channels. Those are not the channels I don't think are matter going forward. You know, I see it, my, my you know my. My eldest, my, el- my eldest son is, you know, he's graduated and is, you know, going for interviews and stuff. And it's fascinating to see how much him and his generation are checking out the people who are interviewing them, you know, and, and the level and, – and you talk to chief executives and they talk about how they've been scrutinised and checked out by people. And they find it quite amazing that now having – whether it's with prospective employees or business partners or customers, people have checked them out and, and know a heck of a lot about them before they even have their first meeting i think this is a really interesting kind of cultural change which they need to get their heads around i think a lot of them for a lot of them it's still quite an alarming disturbing you know state for affairs because they've you know they've been quite happy to hide for decades behind the corporate comms protectors who have kind of kept them away from all this stuff but suddenly we're into a much more kind of fluid mm. space
0: what did you call that bench strength did you say Bench bench
1: strength. You know, it's you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a sporting yeah. metaphor for you know for making sure that you know you have different people on your bench doing different things. But it's ability to you know, and I do think this is, it is this this need for organisations to you know say work as a team, think as a team, think how we're coming across, and how do we collectively express the views you know, of the organisation? Is this a, is this a company? Are these people I want to work with or for, or buy from? are questions that people are asking Mm. and these are questions that have to be lodged in people's heads you know when when they approach this thing
0: so it's really interesting that we've been talking about social media strategy for about 25 minutes and we've got into various different use cases we've talked about you know using as a tool for awareness and lead generation we've talked about customer service we've talked about uh, research and now we're talking about the idea that you can use social media for i guess personal branding and Uh, branding, almost branding your uh, senior leadership team, your CEO as a way to attract and uh, engage with capital effectively. So there's four or five different really, really strong different but very different use cases of how to use this tech. So if we go back to what we started off with is that you know, if you if your idea with social media is just to jump in, set up a Facebook page and Twitter handle and away you go, you can see exactly already how that's ineffective because you haven't aligned it to a particular business use case. Or you haven't looked at or planned out what kind of value or return you want to get from the, the time and budget you'll invest in that channel.
1: Exactly. You know, and, and 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 to all I'm you know, my whole sort of, you know, pitch, if you like, is to say You've all meandered into this space. You've dabbled. You've experimented. You know, you, most most organisations have got some form of social media presence. You know, and it's kind of fine. But now is the time to actually take a step back and say, why are we doing this, and how can we align what we're doing against actually what will make a difference for our organisation? Yes, you know, and, and and focus on the things that really matter. You know, the reality is, you yeah, know, there is an expectation now from your stakeholders that you will have a presence and you will be responsive. So I don't think any organisation has the option of saying we're just not going to play in this space so part of what you're doing is always going to be reactive you know if i if i issue a tweet to my bank with a complaint i expect my bank to respond to me you know and what you're finding now interesting enough is that you know a lot of consumer affairs correspondents are actually um, suggesting to customers that you know this is this is a very effective way to to get a response so you have to you know in that sense you you have to have that kind of reactive thing from a proactive perspective it's sitting down with the Social media professionals and senior team, and saying, "Look, where can it? Where can we make a real difference the way we're working? Whether it's taking cost out of the business, which is where something like social customer service can really um, come into its own, or is it about you know reputational enhancements, or you know how how does you know there's all sorts of different ways, but have those convers grown up conversations about where it fits? The other thing you'll find, of course, the, the perennial frustration with the social media teams I speak to is that they're under resourced." Yeah, there's not enough people. there's never enough money. Um, but again, they're never going to get the money or the resources until they convince a senior team that can really add value. Mm. so having those having those grown up conversations will unlock funds. um it'll unlock resources. It'll take the social media team from the kind of from the basement, plugging away you know as best as they can, and suddenly they'll become core to the organization. And where you see social media baked into the heart of the organization, that's when you start seeing, Start seeing kind of real value. Yes. Um, essentially, because like Asda, for example, I remember chatting to the petal at Asda. You know, they've actually integrated um, social, PR, and customer service into one unit. Yeah, and there's a unit, sitting in leads, where well, they all sit together because, as far as they're concerned, you know what? These things are all completely blurred now. They all have, they all have a knock-on, knock-on impact. So they've, you know, so they've restructured their whole business to be, be in a different way. And I think again, this is something interesting you'll start seeing is how organisations you know, start. Looking at how they structured things and changing the way that they that they approach it, and particularly, um, I remember very a very early meeting I had with a financial services company during the really relatively early days of social. And I, I, I was asked to come in and just talk about the potential of social media and what was happening. And about thirty people turned up, which I thought was interesting. What became very apparent to me that none of those, most of the people, actually didn't know each other. So I say, well, actually, before we start talking about social media, why well, don't we have a conversation about why it is it you all work for the same company and you're all customer-facing, but none of you have actually talked to each other before. Um, this highlights to me the way you structure this organisation based on the internal logic. You're not customer-focused, you're not customer-facing. Mm. So social media is forcing you to have a conversation about how do we structure ourselves and potentially restructure ourselves in a very different way. And for me, that's really interesting piece and, and sort of the final section of my book in a sense is how social media is forcing or encouraging some small organizations to really think about how they structure themselves and how they change their culture how they change the way they organize themselves how they break through some of the silos it's a change driver mm. you know within organizations and smart chief executives are starting to realize you know what actually this is this is a very important trigger for us to review the way through the way we do things and then once again that elevates social media beyond a simple executional task into a much more strategic discipline absolutely um, and i think that's to me that's that to me that's the exciting bit actually i think in terms of where where the, the potential of where this could kind of take us because i do think it has the potential to be quite um, transformative.
0: I think we're seeing as well with with the way that that's affecting organizations, you're seeing that in the agency landscape as well, where you're seeing different disciplines blended together, which in part might be driven by the impact of social. So where you'll see a, um, a direct marketing agency combined with a media shop or a creative shop, for example, because the two uh, skills are blending or you might see a pr organization blending with a digital organization or those skills are coming together because that this kind of blurring of lines between who's responsible for managing this area for a business um you know and that again aligns to organizational goals for what you're what you're using social for
1: exactly and, and you know strategy is all about asking questions and this is essentially this what it's doing questions about structured questions about purpose questions about priorities um, this is all, you know, this is exactly what we should be doing. I think, and and the small organisations do see this as an opportunity, um, you know, because if you talk to most people in organisations, they find organisational culture really frustrating. Yeah. Um, yes. Silos drive them mad. <laughs> um, you know, you talk to chief executives, and they kind of talk about why why does innovation take so long in this place? You know, why is it so expensive? Why is decision making so slow? You know, I you know, I had one. This is this is this is actually a kind of true story. I was I spoke at a conference and some guy came up to me again for a finance it was a big insurance business actually and he said it's great, we're using social media, we're on Twitter. It's taking us ten days to issue a tweet. <laughs> yes. Because by the time it's gone through compliance and tone of voice and regulation. And I actually met him again six months later, he said, Great, actually it's only taking us five days now, which you know we could laugh at, but actually the simple act of trying to issue a tweet had forced them to have serious conversations about why are we structured in such a way. Why is it, you know, why does it take us so long? Um, by the same token, I have companies saying to me we want to be on Facebook, and I say, yeah, but it takes you five days to issue a press release. Why don't you start looking at some of the structural? You know the ways in which you work, and the approval processes, and the hierarchies, and decision making, and actually challenge those basic orthodoxies first.
0: So is that, um, is that what you're hoping this book's going to do, Martin? It's going to force people or encourage people to just challenge themselves to to think more strategically and make some changes, so that it's not ten days to get a tweet out; it's you know ten minutes. Yeah. That
1: kind of thing. I think it's two th- I think it's two things. First of all, I think it's about asking you know being having the rigour to ask the right sort of questions about social investment. And these aren't difficult questions, they're the sort of questions you'd ask as a matter of course in business, but they're just not being applied to social. So basic questions about how we do. And the second point, as you say, is actually using this opportunity to look at some fundamental issues about organizational culture. Yeah. You know, why do things take so long? Why do silos exist in the way they do? Why have we built Largely because of the you know sense that we need to build in compliance. Why have we built these edifices that are just so bureaucratic and slow? Because we all buy into the logic that social media is making is forcing us to be more agile, more responsive. You know. How do we make our organizations more responsive going to the future? And social is the thing that's forcing that debate which is why it's what, which is what's elevating i think yes higher up the kind of higher up higher up sort of the, the corporate priority list
0: so we can't have a talk about tech without having a look into the future and obviously there is an awful lot of advancement in terms of ai and machine learning how do you think these things are going to play out what do you think the social media landscape is going to look like in you know 12 24 months time do you think that the current struggles that facebook is having is going to uh, bring it to its knees or do you think we're going to carry on seeing the growth there or are there other platforms that you've seen coming out where you think you know it'll be really good for uh, uh, marketeers or organizations to start looking at i don't know tiktok for example what's that what do you think is going to be the next um... well i think
1: the first the, the first observation is we're at, we appear to be stuck at the moment um which is quite odd T- technology has always been quite darwinian it's it's always been regenerating itself at a furious pace and you know i worked i used to work in you know in the sort of mobile phone sector, where Nokia had seventy percent of the market, yes. Um, where the hell is Nokia now? You know, Sony were the dominant force in, in consumer electronics. So the logic in tech has always been that there's always a new challenge coming through. But in social, we actually have been stuck. You know, the last innovation, the last new platform really to come through of any scale and then interest was Google Plus, and Google killed Google have, have killed it. So we're we, are, we, we it's interesting. To, we're locked into an ecosystem now in which Facebook, actually, with the exception of China, actually, because there's a whole, you know, behind the kind of great firewall of China, there's a whole set of interesting things going on there. Yes. But with with the exception of China, the world appears to have settled down with a quasi, you know, it's a, you know, the the Facebook-Google duopoly um, really is, you know, has locked the space. Twitter is um, actually showing signs of life and vitality, but I think a recognition on their part that it's never going to be a mass medium. It's always going to be um, a favourite channel for news and influencers and experts and this sort of thing. But Twitter is never going to be a mass, a mass medium. So I think the world's kind of been, in a sense, crying out for where is the next Facebook going to come from? And I do think that... Um, the regulators are starting to bare their teeth. I notice overnight that in Germany, um, Germany Germany has, German regulators have a particular beef with um, Facebook and its, and its use of data. So I think um, a breakup is possible. Um, I think the legislators were asleep on, asleep on the job, allowing Facebook to acquire Instagram and WhatsApp. Because they've created a situation where Facebook has an unhealthy dominance of the market um what's apparent is that facebook's recent plat- announcement that they were going to integrate the different platforms into one the eu have already said we're not going to accept that so i think you may end up with a two-speed facebook um where in europe they won't be allowed to do certain things so it's a very kind of fluid and in that sense sorry so it's, it's we, we, we're waiting for the next brand coming through and it's almost a sense now that the duopoly is now so powerful that it's actually blocking anything coming through and yet every few months we hear of a new Potential platform, where they all kind of wither on the vine. In terms of where the excitements are, I actually think messaging apps is kind of where the excitements are. You know, you look at some like um, WeChat in um, China, um, which which basically gets the kind of moniker of the editing app. And WeChat now is being used for just about everything.
0: Yes, it's an incredible platform.
1: It's financial transactions and bookings, and it's really an amazing, ubiquitous platform. And I think messaging apps, which started off very boring and very humble. If I were an investor, that is where I'd be looking uh, to, 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 to go because I just think the potential that they offer uh, to offer a richer uh, customer service, to to, to, to facilitate transactions, etc., etc. Yes, absolutely. A of, I think it's kind of very, very kind of compelling. You know, beyond that, I think we're all waiting to see see what happens. To say history would suggest to us that you know. If, there is a Facebook killer being drummed up in a shed somewhere, somewhere in the world. But I, you know, I've I've been predicting this for five years, and and I'm hitherto waiting to see something emerge. And the same, I think, I think unless the regulators act and um, weaken the stranglehold that Facebook and Google have on the market, it's difficult to see anybody really having opportunities to break into that that duopoly.
0: Yes, I agree. I mean, we do more and more on Facebook, not just in terms of you know managing content but using it as an advertising channel as well because it's such a powerful tool and we're doing more and more to look at how do we use the messenger platform to engage with customers as well from a marketing point of view from a customer service point of view as well so it's hard to see how a new entrant can get into the market and take on facebook really given its dominance given the size of its audience it's going to be a challenge for anyone unless they've got something significantly different
1: and it's interesting because Mark, there's a lovely quote from Mark Zuckerberg quite early on where he said he wanted, he wanted Facebook to be utility like water. Um, you know, he never wanted Facebook to be cool. Uh, he wanted Facebook just to be baked in you know, to the way we live and work and to be as boring as water. You just don't, you just don't <laughs> notice it's there. But it's just in the background all the time. It's you know, it's everyone's gateway to the internet, and in a sense, that's you know, on his part, very clever, and also kind of yeah. very alarming in a sense because it just it just sits there in the background. You know, not even where we're not even aware we're doing it
0: yes um, I, mean, I and I think he's more or less achieved that really for most in the yeah. western world, you yeah know. and um
1: yeah, and we get fixed you now we talk about yes there's 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 been a drift of young people out of facebook into th- in particular into things like instagram, but in other parts of the world facebook's still 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 growing like Matt, so yes. you know now clearly it's got its flaws, you know i think essentially i did piece of work with a client recently where you know there is a sense actually that people are beginning to develop a sensitivity to the way their data is being used it's been slow you know there's always been this kind of devil's pact with Facebook that we you know we accept that you're going to use our data but in return we get it, we get this very useful free product and we and we're willing to accept that that deal I think people are starting to show signs of saying, "Hold on a minute! How is my data being used? Am I comfortable yes. with this?" So, in a sense, I think that to me, it's the kind of, almost the kind of twin attack of the regulators kind of going, "This is an unhealthy market situation," and consumers kind of going, "I'm not entirely happy with the way my data is being used," and demanding greater levels of control over yes. it. So, particularly in Germany, they're they're very quite hot on this, and and to the extent to which whether the sort of the current GDPR regulation in Europe will start. Putting greater pressure on it, I think those are the two things that, that threaten. You know, it's no surprise that you know Facebook have signed Nick Clegg on a large amount of money um, to be their global um, global comms guy, largely because of his amazing contacts in, in, within the EU. You know, that's, yeah. this is clearly where Facebook see see their point of vulnerability.
0: Yes, and uh, uh, no question. An English politician to help them engage with the EU—that's an interesting point of view, isn't it? But that's a whole different.
1: Yeah, he's probably. Yeah, well, he's probably one of the few English politicians that kind of understands the EU.
0: <laughs> that's a whole different line of uh, questioning. I think we should probably skip over that. But uh, Martin, look, thanks, thanks for joining us. It's, I think we could probably talk for ages, but I don't think people will be carrying on listening to us uh, to, chatting through Facebook use cases. But. I think that uh, it will be useful for people to have a look at your book. It's called The Financial Times Guide to Social Media Strategy. Is it out now? Is it available in all good bookstores? Yes.
1: It, yes. It's, uh, it was published at the end of October. Um, so it is available on Amazon and all good bookstores, as they say. Um, it's a textbook. So it's designed to be, you know, it's, it's a dip in and out book designed to be as practical as possible. Um, and so I structure it around a whole set of different, you know, ways in which you'd look at things yeah. And typically it's you know how you take a structured disciplined approach to a whole host of different yeah. things whether it's managing your own personal brand or it's trying to develop a social strategy for your organization
0: yeah perfect good i think that that's going to be valuable to an awful lot of people but if anyone would like to pick up the conversation they'd rather than buy your book they'd rather talk to you and get some uh, face-to-face guidance how could they best connect with you and get in touch
1: uh they can find me on LinkedIn, very happy to to connect on LinkedIn, or they can also find me uh on Twitter on uh Martin T uh MKG, Martin Martin T Marketing, the shortened version of marketing. So you can ah, find perfect. me on Twitter uh or find me at, find, find me at find me on LinkedIn, always good, always good to connect and and debate. I might view on this is none of us have all the answers. Um and all of us can benefit from uh robust discussion.
0: Uh, I'm so pleased that you use two social media platforms as a way to get in touch there because otherwise we would have uh, it wouldn't have made sense given what we've just spoken about for the last 40 minutes or so but but Martin look thanks again thanks so much for joining the show uh, I've learned some stuff there I hope that our listeners have too um so good luck with the book I hope that you get the uh sales and success you're you're looking for I'm, I imagine you've got another book in mind for a follow-up at some point I always Uh,
1: found Never Again um, after each book. And then a a few years later, I forget that I said never again. So we'll we'll, we'll see.
0: Someone will twist your arm at some point, and I'll uh, I'll look forward to reading this and the next one too. Martin, thanks again, and uh, stay in touch.
1: Thanks, Andy.